Hello, church family. This is Pastor Matt Parra, and you are joining me for the third episode of uh, our series, Why Evangelism Doesn't Work. And I'm very uh, much privileged to have Pastor Peter Watts here uh, with us today uh, in the podcast. Uh, pastor Peter Watts is uh, the pastor of the Memorial Seventh-day Adventist Church, Avondale M Memorial Church. That's right. Pastor Pete has done evangelism for several years for the North New South Wales Conference, and 10 years... Ten years as a conference evangelist, three in Victoria and seven in North New South Wales. Well, that's wow, time flies, hey? Yeah, it does. Man. Yeah. Wow. Hey, listen, guys, our topic for today is entitled, Evangelism is Not Dead. We Are. <laughs> it's a bit of a provocative way to, to title a podcast, wouldn't you say, Pastor? Confronting. I would say that's, uh, that's a uh, get-your-attention kind of title. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. I actually... Stand behind it mm -hmm. and believe that it's a true statement. It's a truism. Right. And uh, so we're going to just jump right in. And I'm going to ask you a question to get the ball sure. rolling here. Yeah, let's follow. Peter, you've been a conference evangelist doing public evangelism. And then as a pastoral minister, you've been very evangelistic. So you're familiar not just with doing public campaigns, but your ministry has been one where you're doing all kinds of outreach ministry. I mean, just... Friendship evangelism, personal evangelism, uh, literature evangelism, you know, cafe. Small group evangelism. Small group evangelism, every kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Like just right. basically evangelism in a general sense. Mm. Why do you think, in the light of this topic, evangelism doesn't work? And why do you think so many people think it doesn't work? You know what I'm saying by that? Sure. So we're not seeing evangelistic success that we would like. Yeah. We never, we're not seeing the apostolic right. Acts 2 stuff. Yeah. We are in the world, but just not sure. so much in our context. And why is it so that, why is that the case? And then also, why is it that so many Adventist members would say, evangelism doesn't work? Sure. What do you think? Well, I think, first of all, I mean, you would want to define evangelism. So I think for me, evangelism is a way of life, not an event or a program. Yeah. So evangelism is really about sharing the good news that God has shared with us, that we've discovered that God has allowed us to, to see. Yeah. And we're sharing that uh, knowledge, that experience, that joy with other people. And we can do that in a variety of ways. And, and that can all be constituted as evangelism. So I think a lot of people, when they say evangelism doesn't work, yeah. they're often thinking about the public evangelism event, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe they've had this kind of experience where the church says, right, next year we're going to do a public evangelism event and we're going to get this keynote speaker in and we're going to do lots of advertising and we're going to put out lots of flyers and uh, all of that and then the evangelistic event comes and some of the church members are motivated enough to go to that event and there's uh, yeah. a, a moderate crowd for the first night and then drops away and then it, there's a sprinkling and you might have a, a handful yeah. or less mm -hmm. of, of uh, members of the public who are at that particular program and yeah. people come away from that and say well evangelism doesn't work or maybe the preacher wasn't that great or mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a whole host of it things. It didn't meet my expectations. Or, yeah, or this method of yeah. evangelism no longer works in our, in our modern world. Yeah. So people might say things like, you know, postmodern people are not interested, right? right. Um, but the reality is some are mm -hmm. and some are not. And that's always been the case. Some right. people are interested and some people are not. What, I, hey, let me just jump in real quick. Before yeah, yeah. You, I know you're on a train of thought, so well, don't, don't lose it. Okay. But sometimes as 
an evangelist mm. and as a soul-winning minister, I, I've, I've wondered if people today have forgotten that there was a devil yesterday. Yeah. So like in the eras of the past, yeah. you know, in the first century, uh, you know, Roman world, was it easy to win souls? Mm. You know, because like the Christian faith was illegal, mm. <laughs> but evangelism worked then. And in, in the dark ages for the, you know, Protestant reformers, you can get burned at the stake for being a biblical Christian. They won souls still, you know. Mm. And so I think sometimes, I'm not accusing, but I just really honestly, sincerely believe this, that sometimes people just use that whole postmodern idea as just an excuse to kind of justify the fact that we're just not finding success. So, so it, it can't be us. It can't be our lack of power, our lack of the Holy Spirit. It can't be that we've just lost love for God. We've lost our first love. It has to be, well, you know, the postmodern mind. <laughs> it's well, the, not now. I'm not being insulting. Sure. No sincere people say this. Yeah, yeah. But I sincerely, they might be sincere in saying that. But I'm also sincere in saying, I think if you have the power of God, evangelism works. Well, I was somebody with the secular mind. You know, I grew yeah. up in a secular environment. Couldn't care less about God, religion, or any of that thing yeah. of that nature. And thankfully, mm -hmm. God got my attention, yeah. and then I started paying attention, and then I got introduced to evangelism. Yeah. But I think. Um, yeah, it's like if you take any product or a song or a sport or whatever, uh, and you might say, "Well, people are not interested." Well, you just you don't you don't bother. But people don't say that they they're, they're enthusiastic about the product they want to sell or right. the song they're going to write. Yeah. And is everybody going to enjoy that song? No, not everybody in the world enjoys any particular song that somebody has made. Not everybody's going to enjoy it, but right. some might. Some people might, yeah. right? And that, and you write it because of the joy of writing the song. You like the song because you, you are. You want to share. Yeah. You can't and then help you but share, share it. And if other people like it, well, yabba dabba do. You awesome. know, this is fantastic. But I think you know it, people will say all sorts of things about the fact that evangelism doesn't work. Now, when people come. So, so that's a scenario that yeah. I painted before. You know, if, that, if that's the kind of scenario you're thinking right, of, then you're going to say, then you probably say, you know what? We would say, yeah, that wasn't very successful. Yeah. But see, here's the thing: why do why do people not come to our evangelistic programs, or perhaps maybe even flip that around and say, the ones that come, why do they come? Mm -hmm. I mean, why come at all, right? Yeah. So uh, they don't come for the information because we have that on our phones on Google. Right, all the information pretty much that I'm going to share in an evangelistic campaign is online. You can find and more online on your phone at the end of your at the end of your arm, right? Yeah. So that you don't have to move anywhere no. to get it. So it's not for they don't come simply for the information because they can get there that elsewhere. They don't come because the preacher, because likely they don't even know who he is mm -hmm. or she, yeah. right? They just don't know that person. Like so, who cares? Like, why do they come? Well, they they usually come, most of them come because somebody who does know the Lord and also knows them has yeah. enthusiastically communicated it to them and right. they have brought them along. Yeah. I had this situation in a campaign that... That's uh, kind of what evangelism is, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Like evangelism isn't like me providing what everyone already wanted. Yeah. It's me helping people to see the relevance of what they may not have ever known they wanted. Mm. So it's like... When, when uh, rock and roll had its birth in, mo in modern Western civilization, like it, nobody liked it. It was just weird, outside of the norm. People thought it was of the devil, you know. And yet somehow it became like the... The norm. The norm, eventually. It's now kindergarten music. That's right, because people are so passionate about it. They sold you on it, and it just became the thing. And it didn't become the thing because it was what the world had already been enjoying mm. or liking. No, it was... 
it was it was in a way society was evangelized into listening to certain kinds of music. It's the same thing with styles or fashions. I just wanted to, before you continue, to say that, that that's, I think, some, sometimes a, a misconception on our part as to what evangelism is supposed to be. Evangelism isn't supposed to be we provide people with what they're looking for already. It's us being so passionate about what we know is true and we know, what we know really satisfies that we help other people to see that as well. And before I was a, a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, I was an amazing evangelist for all the things that I used to like before I right. was an Adventist they're now, Christian. They're now, yeah. So you may not like surfing, but mm-hmm. I like was an evangelist for yeah. surfing. Yeah. And once you hung out with me, you just knew it was one of the coolest things ever to do. Yeah. I was an evangelist for cigarette smoking and um, cocaine use. Sure. And, and like, man, I mean, I got tons of people on board with yeah. me. People who were not looking to destroy their lives with cocaine, people who are not looking to get lung cancer from cigarettes. Yeah. But somehow I convinced them that if they were to partake of those substances, they'd be living the dream, you yeah, know? For sure. and, 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 it, and it's so hilarious to me because if a druggie can evangelize healthy people to drug use uh, and harmful habits and behaviors, how could we sit back and say that evangelism doesn't work? That's basically like saying we don't have something that's so compelling it's that we can... The, it's saying the gospel is powerless, essentially. Yeah, in really. a way, and nobody's trying to say no, that. No, no, no. They don't no, realize they would that never that's, say that's that. what's being inferred. That's right. That, they would never say that. Unintentional. Yeah. So, I mean, like I used to be a season ticket for a football club. Yeah. Okay. And I, I uh, sometimes preach a sermon called Fanatic. And I talk about the enthusiasm that I had for the football club. Oh. And I would, I would be there like before the gates You're opened. You're rabid. And I was in there and, you know, I would read the program and I'd sing all the songs. And I'd invest my money and, stuff, and like... my time. And it was every Saturday yeah. as well, right? Were you a hooligan? Yeah, no, I wasn't. Okay, but good. I had friends who were. Okay. I had crazy friends who were hooligans, football hooligans. But the point is mm-hmm. that it's like... You don't have to tell anybody who's a passionate football fan to tell other people about their team. You, do, you just, just do. don't have to. You can't. You don't have to pay them. They will pay the football club for yeah. the privilege of being allied to that football club. Yes. And you don't have to tell anybody to to uh, advocate that or evangelize <laughs> that. They just right. do it because they're passionate. And even about if you say it. to them, "Hey, listen." Getting other people excited about football doesn't work. Yeah. Just be like, buzz off. What are they? Yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. It means it's nothing crazy. to them. Which goes so, to show that, yeah. that, that really my premise is correct. Yeah. Because if you can convince Christ followers that evangelism, what Jesus called us to as a movement, mm. preach the gospel to every creature under heaven, if you, if you can get those people to, to be convinced that, that, that what God called them to do doesn't work, that, that shows that the problem is not with God or with the work. The problem is with them and their lack of faith. And it just reminds me of what Jesus said in uh, Luke 18. He said, when the Son of Man comes back to the earth, will he find faith? He doesn't say, like, will he find people who come up with amazing ways to reach the postmodern mind? There'll be plenty of those people. We see there's everywhere. They're like everywhere. They're in every university, every church, every every denomination. There's clever, trendy, you know, incarnational ministers, right? Yeah. But but Jesus doesn't say that. He he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And the Bible says, uh, whatsoever is born of God also overcomes the world. Hmm. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Not our tactics, not our formulas. 
even our faith. So, so if, if you've got somebody who's enthusiastic about rock and roll or drugs or football or whatever it is, and yeah. they're a passionate evangelist for that, and you yeah. pay them nothing, but they're just passionate <laughs> about it, right? It's love then why can't we be passionate about the gospel? And I want to ramp up the importance yeah. of this from mm -hmm. the perspective of we think about the time of Noah and the flood, right? The time of Noah and the flood. Second Peter 2.5 describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't normally think of Noah that way. We think he's the boat builder, right? He's yeah, right. the guy who he's a he, he, he found grace in God's sight. Yeah. He was willing to do what God asked him to do. He built a boat, 120 years, yeah. and and... But we don't think about the fact that not only was he building a boat, that he was preaching for 120 years. Yeah. And he was preaching that uh, there's a flood coming. We're building a boat. Help me yeah. build the boat because we're going to have to get on that boat. And you're either going to be on the boat or outside the boat when the flood comes. Right. And uh, it, it was of crucial importance. importance whether you were on the boat or off the boat. Yeah. And so he's a preacher of righteousness. His message is of infinite value. Yeah. Because you see, it's a it's it's a saved or lost message in the literal sense. It's a little bit like it's a saying, all or nothing message. So yeah, so it's like saying, well, you know, I mentioned this to you before in conversation before we started our, our podcast, and, and talking about you know how some people will say, you know, share the gospel with all the world, and if necessary, use words, right? Oh, okay. And I, hey, hey, I no, get no, now. No, 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 don't say trigger warning. No, 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 wait up, wait up, no, no, let me go, let me go, let me go. Don't, I'm stoked. Don't restrain me. No, I know. Because I get the intent of what that message is about. Sure. What that message is about is your lifestyle should match your message. If you're going to open your mouth and speak about the things of God, then your lifestyle, what the way you act, the way you treat people, the way you talk to them, your life should mirror the message that you have. And by the way, this fits right in with Noah because Noah was preaching, hey, there's a flood coming, but he's also building a boat. Yeah. His life demonstrates that what he, that at least he believes yeah, what right. he's saying, right? <laughs> yes. If nothing else, oh, powerful, he yeah. believes what he's saying because he's actually building the boat totally. and saying, there's a flood coming. I'm building this boat. Help me build you, the boat because the flood him, is coming. But you're going to think he's crazy. See what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So when people yeah. say, we want to share the gospel with all the world and if necessary, preach words. I understand that your lifestyle should be a Christian lifestyle, right? You can't mm -hmm. just preach the word and live like the devil. So that's fine. Yeah. But the adding of the words, if necessary, you know, use words, is kind of a redundant statement because you imagine, you know, the current situation we're in at the moment, the coronavirus, right? right. We've got to warn the world about coronavirus. If necessary, use words. It's like, why would you even, why, why would you even right. add that sentence? Because of course, of course right. you're going to use words. If this is an important message, if this is a life and death message, right. of course you're going to warn people right. and you're going to use words. Words are going to be one of the first things you use. You might use other tools at your disposal, but you're surely going to use words. Yeah. It's one of the things that separates us from the animals. God gave us the ability to express ourselves with words to express our thoughts our ideas the themes of scripture yes. with words yeah. and uh, you know there are so many um, admonitions to preach yeah. in the Bible um, you know when I think about I want to turn to one scripture that I've, I just want to share yes because to me this kind of sums it all up although there are others and we will certainly look at those as well but this is Matthew 24 14 okay and you know the verse, 
and Jesus is talking about all the signs of the times and then he says, uh, and this gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. So here's the thing. This is Jesus talking 2,000 years ago. He's saying this good news about the kingdom is going to be preached. Now, right. being, now preached is something different to us having a one-on-one conversation. Right. It's something different to having a small group in my lounge room of about a you know, dozen people. Yep. Preached is the idea that it's going to be publicly proclaimed, yep. right? Yep. And it says it's going to be preached in all the world, not just the church. Yep. So this isn't talk about Sabbath morning preaching. Mm-hmm. This is to all the world as a witness. That's right. the whole point to all the nations and then the end will come. So this verse tells me that public proclamation is going to be part of God's plan to get the message out there until the end of the world. Until the end. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And when you put it in the context of the three angels messages, yeah. which is uh, I saw another angel. I know I was thinking of the, of the first angel. Yeah saying with a loud voice, voice right, which right. is a megaphone, yeah. right? Saying with a loud voice. And if you've got something to say and it's really important, you say it out loud. For mm-hmm. crying out loud. I, I went to preach a sermon. <laughs> I preached a sermon crying for crying out loud. Out loud. Yes. And I said, God is for crying out loud. Yeah. Because he so often inspires his prophets to cry out loud. Do you, yeah. you know, John the Baptist was a voice crying in the in wilderness, the wilderness yeah. right? Um, and so often God is saying, you know, lift up your voice like a trumpet, yeah. you know. And so it seems to me strange that we would not want to use words and not want to use public proclamation. Now, when we come to public evangelism events, yeah. okay, when we come to public evangelism events, we want to think about the fact that we need to do adequate preparation. Yeah. You know, and, and when we're talking about, you know, we're, the, the title here is Evangelism Doesn't Work. And we mentioned that's, that, that's a series title. It's a series yeah. title. Right. Yeah. And we're, we really Why evangelism think, doesn't work. Yeah. And I think most people, as I said before, when they think about evangelism, they're thinking about a public evangelism event yeah. as opposed to the many different ways in which we can be yeah. active in evangelism. Yeah. Right. But I think that there is a cycle of evangelism that is spoken of in the Bible that Jesus used to uh, illustrate how the gospel can be communicated. And he talks about, um, he uses the agricultural cycle that his audience would have been very familiar with to try and communicate this. So you have things like the parable of the sower mm-hmm. and you have, you know, other parables yeah. that Jesus taught, so many of seeds. them. Sown of the seeds. If you sow seeds and you yeah. want to harvest, you're going to Reaping have to and to harvesting yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And so I've, 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 I've basically uh, been teaching the cycle of evangelism in terms of five, five segments, if you like. Yes. Uh, and that is the preparing of the soil, which mm-hmm. we might call some people call it uh, friendship evangelism. Community service kind of, maybe, you're thinking? Well, that just, could be too. Just and developing I'm, I, relationship. Yeah, okay, so let me, di- let, me, let me distinguish between the personal response yeah. and the, the, the group corporate church response, yeah. right? So the individual response, um, preparing the soil would be making a friend of somebody, you know, making an associate, starting a communication with somebody yeah. to develop a relationship. That, mm-hmm. that is what it is. When, it talk, when we're talking about the church, yes, we might do some of those preparing the soil ministries like food bank, 
like cooking demonstrations, yeah. um, even some, you know, like a quit smoking program. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be a preparing the soil kind of ministry. Yeah. Very good ministries, very important ministries. It's like opening people's hearts kind of ministries. Yeah, just getting close loving to people, people, getting to know people, people, providing something that they need. Yeah. But in the personal space, just friendship evangelism, and there's a difference between friendship mm-hmm. and friendship evangelism. Right. And that is that everybody out there, lots of people make friends. Yeah. You can be down the football club and make friends, right? But that's not necessarily friendship evangelism yeah. as we understand totally. Christian evangelism, totally. right? You might be an evangelist for the football club, right? But in terms of <laughs> totally. friendship evangelism, we're talking about Christian evangelism. So yeah. in other words, when you make a friend of somebody, mm-hmm. if you really care about that individual, yeah. if you care about whether they live or die, if you care about how their life is going to be in the next two years, five years, forever, if you care about them, you're going to want them to know your friend Jesus. Yeah. Because he's the one who's going to deliver the blessings in this life and eternity in the next. So, totally. so in other words, now... If you he, truly love them. If you absolutely, truly love them. Absolutely, if you them. truly love them. Now, now th- this is, I think, where sometimes we get a little confused because we think, okay, you've got on the one hand the person who wants to make a friend of somebody but is reluctant to share spiritual things in case they lose that friend. They don't want to damage the friendship. Right, they don't want to damage the friendship. On the other hand, you've got the other person who has a bunch of tracts in their pocket and they're just going to tell people that Jesus is coming. They don't give a rip about people. And they don't really have a a relationship head on, you know what I mean? It's just blind obligation. It's not love and concern for people. The the house is burning down, get out! You know, and so... Which that, in a way, you know, it's funny because it's just, just interject there real quick. I yeah. think one of the worst things about the human mind mm. is its tendency to the either or paradigm. Right. So it's either this or that yeah. kind of framework of thinking. So you see that in politics. The polarization. Democrat, the polarization. It's either, it's either this or that. That's right. Um, you see that liberal labor, Democrat, Republican. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the nature of the human mind. Pro, and it expresses or, pro itself or against abortion. In theology, it expresses itself in politics. Yeah. It expresses yeah. itself in, yeah. in all facets of, of our lives. So we, in this issue, do the same thing where it's either you're a friend and you care for people. Or, or you're an evangelist. Or you're an evangelist. You know, and it's like, wait a second. <laughs> so uh, the analogy I give to the Arise students all the time, when this kind of subject comes up about like being friends versus evangelizing and telling people the truth, as I say, you've got to disabuse your mind of that kind of framework, of that framework, that, that paradigm. And you have to start yeah. thinking that it's not either or, it's, it's both. Absolutely. And so let's just say hypothetically, I'm a fireman, there's a building on fire, and I really care about the people who are in the building. Yeah. Now, the people, say, are delusional. They don't realize that they're in danger, that they're in the midst of a they're fire. They're busy watching Game they're of Thrones. They're busy watching. They're sitting there, literally. They're sitting down watching Game of Thrones on the couch. Now, they're actually so confused and so out of their minds that if I just, like, grab them and try to get them out of the house as a fireman, they won't come. So I've just got to stop for a minute and kind of just, hey, boys, how's it going? I'll have a conversation, <laughs> yeah. you know, show them that I friends. care. I've got to make friends. Now, how long... Is it going to have to be for me sitting on the couch eating chips with these guys Same. before I say, way, hey, you know what, guys, uh, just let you know, the house is on that fire. That smoke under the door. Do you see those flames around us? Like yeah. this house is about to That's kind right. of come in on us. Yeah. No, it's so, funny because so there's, no, there's, no, there's no difference between, like, there's no, like, how do you say this? There's no tension between being those people's friends and getting those people out of the burning house if, in fact, you believe the house is burning. Absolutely. And I, I could illustrate that. So... And I think it depends on the circumstance. So one night, I, I, in a, a trip my, when my uh, mum and dad came over from England, we went to Tasmania. And yeah. on, on the way back, I ended up 
there was me sharing a cabin with a total stranger <laughs> on the spirit of Tasmania for one night, okay. coming back from Tasmania across the Bass Strait to Melbourne, right? Mm -hmm. They'd all gone in the plane or whatever, and it was just me uh, with the car, and I was with this total stranger in this, this cabin, right? I don't know how that happened, but it, but it did. And so this guy, the guy's name was Drew, yeah. okay? And um, we got talking, and he turns out he was a Pentecostal Christian. Okay. And so we got chatting. And uh, in that one night, we discussed Daniel chapter 7. Cool. Okay, because he wanted to know something about it. We were talking about it, and he says, oh, what do you think about this? And, and we discussed that for that one night. Now, that's not usually where I'd start with of course most people. Of course it's not, no. Right? No. But I had one night with this guy. He was interested in the topic, and so we explored. And he'd already he was talking about, a long way in his yeah, he was saying, he was saying, what do you think about the Antichrist? You know, what, and all of this stuff. And I said, well, let me show you something here. Yeah. And so, circumstances can determine what and how and how much you share with an individual. Right. And who are they? We have to you understand. You don't have to feel a pressure to share too much too soon. Exactly right. Yeah. But in that circumstance, because he was already a Christian, because he was already reading the Bible, because he had an interest in that topic, mm -hmm. I could go straight there and we would have we had a great conversation and then we wave goodbye and we've never seen, seen each yeah. other again, yeah. right? But that was a certain kind of circumstance. But generally speaking, if you want to form a relationship with people, then you build a, a friendship. And mm -hmm. I think there's, there's... I understand... The idea that, hey, I've, I've met this person, we've become friends, but I'm scared that if I share a spiritual idea with mm -hmm. this person, that that might be the end of the friendship. And what, what, what concerns me in that, I guess, is that we're scared of use, losing a temporary friendship, but are we scared about that person losing their eternal salvation? salvation? You know, when I, I feel that, I'm, we're not, none of us are exempt from that feeling. We all feel that, especially when it's your neighbor, your next door neighbor, mm. or someone that you associate with regularly. I think as an evangelistic worker in my life, when I just go to a city and I'm there for four months, it's much easier for me to develop friendships mm -hmm. that are based on spirituality. You know, I'm out there because I'm not connected to that community. I'm not there. But, but, but I've lived in the same neighborhood for eight years now. Yeah. And I really feel that, that, that concern. And what I, you know, it's funny, Pete, I ask myself the question when I feel that way, am I really concerned about damaging the friendship or am I concerned about maintaining my reputation in their eyes? Yeah, I like, know. Is this self-concern yeah, yeah, yeah. or is well, this, this really is concern yeah. for the friendship? Yeah. And I'm not saying that, that I'm a bad person because I right. feel that. I'm just a person, and sure. I do care about how people think of me. Yes. And I want to keep my standing in my neighborhood. And, like, we've got this end series coming up, the yep. end uh, evangelistic yep. campaign. What the Bible this says Sunday about the night, end of the world. That's right, uh, uh, May the 10th. And I'm thinking of which of my neighbors to invite. And, and every single time I think of it, the devil just flashes this fear in my mind. Do you want to be the weird guy on the end of the corner who's a religious fanatic? Right? And then I can say, well, yeah, I just don't want to damage the friendship, so I'm not going to invite them to the end. No, what I'm really afraid of is that they're going to watch a presentation, it's going to make them angry, and they're going to get mad at me for it, mm. and then stigmatize me, and then I'll look bad in the community mm. because maybe they'll talk yeah. bad about me. So it's not so much that I'm concerned about my friendship with them, yeah. or serving them, or loving them. I'm just concerned about my status. So some no, I'm not yeah, saying that's, right. that's the case for everybody. Sure, but I'm I'm trying to be honest with no, myself. No, you're right because I I picked that up too. Like sometimes I will run um, 
afternoon meetings or uh, churches on evangelism and personal evangelism particularly. Yeah. And, and I will say to people, you know, I think uh, uh, in general, a lot of Adventists would like yeah. to see the kingdom grow. They'd like to of see the church grow. Yeah. They'd like to be involved in helping somebody find Christ, right? Yeah. And I say to, to people, I ask the question, I say, why is it do you think that uh, we are reluctant to share our faith mm. with others that we know? You know, what, what, what is it? And one of them is, you know, we're, we're afraid of losing the friendship. We're afraid that we don't know enough. Right. True. We're afraid that they might ask us a question and then, oh, I don't know the answer. And, and I've talked about this, about the fact that, A, you'll never know enough. Just share what you do know. Yeah. Right. Share what you do know. None of us know it all. And have faith that God will bless you. Correct. Sh- share yeah. what you do know. Mm-hmm. You don't know it all. But if somebody does ask you a question, because I used to get real nervous about this too. If somebody asks you a question you don't know, it's okay to say, that's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. You're not God. Sometimes right. we think if we don't have an answer yeah. that we are letting God down because God knows everything and we're supposed to know everything. Yeah. But we are not God. We're advocating for God. We're turning people towards God. We're introducing them to God. Yeah. But we are not God. And it's okay to say, that is a great question. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to try and find an answer by next week. Mm. And so, and, and then I talk about the fact that you, those excuses, those, those you know, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, what they'll think of me, that they might damage the friendship. I'm worried I don't know enough. I'm right. worried I might not have an answer. Mm. Um, they are all motivated by my own insecurity yeah right they're all motivated by what will they think of me and how will i feel they're not grounded in love right they're not grounded exactly we we, we are basically um being motivated by how i'm going to feel as opposed to their salvation and fear 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 hey just 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 i'm so stoked on where we're going i'm so stoked in this conversation i think this is really powerful but you were, I, I wanted to just bring it back to where you were going for a bit, because you're mm. talking about the cycle of evangelism. Yes, I was. And how, like, the first Let me stage get back is to that. developing Let me get back to that. interest and, right. and connection yeah, yeah, with yeah. people. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we don't succeed right. in evangelism. Okay. And that's why our evangelism is dead sometimes, because we're not doing that. I just wanted to, because I knew, I knew if you get to the end of this conversation and you didn't get to finish yeah, that, yeah, you're going to yeah, be yeah. like, oh, Matt, I should I should have done that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so here it is. So we talked about preparing the soil, and we said that's yeah. friendship evangelism, right? That That's forming a relationship with somebody where yeah. what you're doing is growing trust. Yeah. So that when you do share something important, that person trusts you enough to listen. Yeah. Hey, right. check this out. You know what? I, I this, this hit me like a ton of bricks. Make it quick. Because it's, no, it's okay. on the subject, right? Yeah, go. The reason why that's so hard for us to just make friends and then mm. move people into spiritual like conversations, mm. it's because when we are making friends, we put we basically ask Jesus to step outside. Yeah. So we stop being the authentic Christ following mm. Christians we're supposed mm. to be while we're making Ooh. friends. So what happens is, is I, I hide my light under a bushel <laughs> and I act like I'm ashamed of the gospel yeah. and don't in any way indicate who I really am. Mm-hmm. And then when I make a friend with them, I'm basically pretending to be something I'm not in that friendship. And what I'm pretending to be is is someone who's not a follower of Jesus, right. where Jesus is the center of my life. My wife does this perfectly, Peter. Not perfectly, like in the absolute sense, but she does it so well, you could say it's perfect. She makes tons of friends in our neighborhood, tons of friends in our community, and she's never ashamed of the gospel. Mm. Everyone always knows she's a Christ follower. She's a Seventh-day Adventist believer. She loves her life. She loves her God, and she loves her family, and she's not apologetic about that, and she's just a total friend to people. And people love her. Mm. And so then when she asks them into spiritual topics or asks a spiritual question, there's no like, 
well, the friendship might be damaged. No, they, they already know who yeah. she is. Yeah. And they're becoming a friend with her, mm. the real her, yeah. not the, the her who's pretending not to be a Seventh-day yeah. Adventist. And then suddenly it's a surprise. Yeah. That you, hey, hey, you, oh, you are? Yes. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay, so preparing the soil, that's friendship, right? The next segment in this cycle of evangelism of five parts, the second segment is sowing the seed, right? Sowing the seed. Yes. And um, now, interestingly enough, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, especially in Luke, in Luke chapter uh, 8 and verse 11, he's explaining the sowing of the seed parable, right? And he says in verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, yep. right? Now, I, I wanted to emphasize that because sometimes we have sometimes confusion about what it means to sow the seed, all right? So right. let me give you an example. Um, so the seed is the Word of God. That means introducing the Word of God into a conversation. It might mean uh, dropping a biblical phrase into a conversation and you're trying to turn the conversation in a spiritual direction. Yes. Or you might refer to a Bible verse that is on a current topic yep. that, that you're, you're looking at or whatever. But the sowing of the seed mm -hmm. is the Word of God. Now, let me tell you what sometimes we, we might do. So we might run a preparing the soil kind of ministry. Mm -hmm. So we might um, have a food bank or we might have a cooking demonstration or we might have a, a stop smoking program, right? Yep. yep. And at the end of those programs, we'll say, well, at least we sowed some seed. We're seed sowing. At least we sowed some seed, We're, right? Yeah. But unless we've introduced the word of God, it's we haven't sowed. So what yeah. we've done is prepared the soil. That's a great point. You see what I'm saying? That's a great point. Because the sowing of the seed, according to Jesus, they're his words. Yeah. The seed is the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and I'll tell you why this is re really important. Because we have to sow the seed, which is the word of God. We have to introduce that into people's, uh, into the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because it is the word that convicts. It is the word that has power. Yes. It is not my friendship. It's not my persuasion. It's not my... Uh, charisma, charisma yeah. that is going to save anybody, right? It's going to mm. be the Word of God, and that's where the power is. So we have to introduce the Word of God to people. And so I've, I, sowing of the seed, I've said this is an invitation to a spiritual conversation. This is being courageous enough to ask. Okay, mm. this is this is bringing in the Word of God mm. to a conversation. You've met, you're making friends, but then at some point you bring in, you ask God actually to open the doors open the opportunities, mm -hmm. right? Divine appointments, yep. opportunities for sowing that seed. And, and if we watch for them, God will open the door, yep. right? And then we want to sow the seed. And what I typically do is I'll have a conversation with somebody and I'll mention something that the Bible says about something we've been talking about. And we'll get into a conversation. And then I'll say, look, I'm going to have to go or that person has to go. And I say, I'd love to talk to you about this some more. Can we catch up next week? And we'll make an appointment and that will be the first Bible study. They don't know that, but that will be the sure. first Bible study. See, yeah. because all, as far as they're concerned, it's just another conversation. But I'll have my phone and that's where my Bible is. Yeah. And I can use my and say, you remember we were talking about this last week? Well, I want to show you another verse because this talks about it too. Smooth. See what I'm saying? Smooth, and, yes. And that way, so then Seamless, you're in a Bible study. Natural, and at the organic. end of each one, yes. you simply say, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this some more. Can we yeah. meet next week? Totally. See what I'm saying? So you're moving from friendship into a spiritual conversation. You're starting to sow the seed, which is the word, yeah. which is where the power is. The power is not with me. Mm. It is in the word of God 
that God is using me to convey. Yes. Does that make sense? Well, seed sowing, you, you get, you made a, I love the point that you made there in regards to, it has to sow seeds if it's seed sowing. Yeah. And the Bible says, if you just plow the field and you put nothing in it, yeah, nothing's going to grow. Right. And I have to get you to prepare, this. You prepare the soil yeah. so you can sow the seed. Yeah. First Peter one twenty three. you know that verse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So here's the thing. So we, in this five sections of the, 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 the uh, cycle of evangelism, the, t- the two most important ones are sowing and reaping. All right. Most mm. people have heard of that. You reap what you sow. Right. Yeah. And the point is, if you don't sow anything, you can't reap anything. I know no farmer who plows a field and leaves it for six months and comes back with a harvester <laughs> yeah, to right. harvest a crop, having sown no seed. Yeah. That makes no sense. Right. And nobody does that in the real world. Right. But somehow we think we can do that in the spiritual world and everything's going to be fine. The, right. the so opposite doesn't is work true. when you don't do uh-huh. preparatory work. Uh-huh. And here's the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Let's say you plow the field, you prepare the soil, you sow, and you say, it, was, it felt so good to sow some seed. Let's do it again next week. Oh. Let's get another bag out yeah, and man. we'll sow that same field. In fact, right. let's sow the seed every month for the next 12 months. And then you sit down at Christmas and say, isn't it great? You know, we sowed seed all year long. Let's sow next year. There's too. a whole bunch of rotten fruit out and in the field. And you dying. never yeah. harvest. Yeah. That too makes no sense in oh. the physical world. Right. It makes no sense. Right. But we, we think we can do that in the spiritual world and that somehow it's going to work and it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, we get to programs like this. Evangelism doesn't work. Exactly. Because if we wow. don't sow, we come back, hey, there's nothing to reap. Well, evangelism doesn't work. But if we sow and sow and sow and sow and sow and we never reap, we think, we've been sowing for a while now. I just, yeah. we're not getting any fruit. Well, Peter, what happens if you, if you prepare the soil of a field? Yeah. Let's just say you prepare the soil of a field and you never sow seeds. Now, what's going to grow in that field? And what has your preparation done? Weeds. It's, it's provided a better growing field for weeds. That's right. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's all it's so, so really, community service by Christians that's not sowing seeds and that's not doing the cycle of evangelism is not helping the world. It's making the world worse. Right. And it's, this is honestly, this, by the way, it's enabling. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Like, have you ever had a relationship sure. with someone? Yeah, for sure. And okay, I, I'm going to, I have a close personal family friend who comes to me often. They're a drug addict and a, an extreme drug addict for many, many years, but they're relatively successful in the world's eyes and yep. have money and a nice house and nice cars and all that stuff. And they come to me all the time for quote unquote encouragement and support, mm-hmm. right? Now, I went about four years just encouraging God's with you. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be okay. There's mm-hmm. going to be a plan. I kept doing that for yeah. years and years and years. And then began to come to the realization that I was only enabling them to continue in their bad habits right. because when they were coming to me, they weren't coming to me because they wanted to change. Mm. They were coming to me because they wanted me to help them feel good in the state that they were in. Right. So it, I was only enabling them. Now, just think about that on the grander scale of society. If we Christians only help people to feel good in the condition that they're in, we're enabling them to stay <laughs> in the condition, in the condition that they're in. That's so so all, you, all you do is community service. Like, we love you. God loves you. And you don't bring people to repentance through the straight testimony of the Bible truth. 
then you are not ultimately yeah. helping the world at all. Yeah. You're just enabling the world to stay a ter in a terrible spiritual condition. I definitely agree with you. We, we just want to put a caveat in there because the, the preparing of the soil ministries are yes. important. They're vital. They're, yeah. they're what oh. we want to do. Yes. Jesus says, in so much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Yeah. Right. So though we're, we're not There's saying... There's no either or. Not either or. It's, it's either part or. of the it's cycle. Everything. It's part of the cycle, yeah. but we cannot stay there all right we cannot stay there and particularly because of this so i just want to insert this because we're seventh day adventists right uh, are there you know are there groups of people who uh, participate in social welfare ministry mm -hmm. yeah there are are there other churches that do that yeah absolutely this the salvation army church for instance is well bless known them for it god, god bless, bless them, them for it absolutely i, can, I give they them are well i do i yeah. donate i've actually collected for them yeah so uh, I, I fully support their, their ministry, of, uh, their welfare social ministry, right? And that's, that's what they're famous for. That's what Australians know the Salvos for, right? But the thing is, um, and, and then I would say, are there people who don't go to church who participate in social welfare ministry? Yes, mm -hmm. there are. And God bless them. Praise the Lord that yes. they have a willing heart to help people in need. We, as a Christian uh, group of people, we should be involved in that stuff. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, who will share the three angels' messages with people if it's not Seventh-day Adventists? If, in other words, if we, don't, if we didn't, let's suppose we didn't do social welfare work, and I'm not saying that, because we I think we should. Yeah, amen. But let's suppose we didn't. I've given tons of evangelism Absolutely. funding in this conference. Yeah, yeah. Last I've given tens yeah. of thousands of dollars sure. to all of our welfare yeah. ministries in this conference. But let's suppose for a moment yeah. that we didn't do that. Yeah. There are going to be other groups Christian and otherwise, who will still do that ministry. Yeah. But if we stop sharing the message that God has given to us, which is the three angels' messages, the everlasting gospel in the context of the three angels' message, if we stop sharing that, mm -hmm. which other group in the world is going to do that? No you one. see what I'm saying? So it's not an either or. You're absolutely right. We have to be involved in preparing the soil ministries, but then we must sow the seed. Mm -hmm. And then we want to lead that into the third section, which is growing the plant. Now, if you had a field, we're looking out in the window here, we can see a, a nice patch of lawn. Imaginally, we turn that into a field, we plough the field. How long would it take to plough the field? Okay, so maybe a day. Um, it would take, um, you know, how long would it take to sow the seed? You sow the seed in the ploughed field, maybe another day. But then you come to the next part, which is growing the plant. And as with the agricultural cycle, growing the plant is the longest part, so too with developing and making disciples. So you might prepare the soil and make friends, you sow the seed, you, you develop a spiritual conversation, and then you want to get into regular, weekly, ongoing Bible studies. And Bible studies for me are not simply a transfer of information, but rather a transformation of the person, because that is about one person, that's me, uh, one living being communicating to another living being vital truths about the most important living being which is God and so it's it's about that relationship that takes place while we are learning together what God has revealed in his word but those bible studies that regular ongoing weekly bible study that's where spiritual growth takes place and then that produces fruit and when that fruit is produced then you have a reaping event you have the reaping of the harvest because there's no point in having the reaping of the harvest unless there is fruit and so when that fruit is come to mature that's why it's so vital to have the seed sown and the fruit grown before the reaping event 
Um, and that, of course, is something that we would typically think of as a public evangelism event. And then when people make decisions in public, they're making those decisions to follow the Lord. Uh, we don't want to leave them there. There is a fifth uh, segment to this cycle of evangelism, which is preserving the fruit. In other words, when we have won souls for Christ, we want to hang on to them for the kingdom. We want to invest in them. We want to help them continue to grow, help them continue to Bible study, help them to learn how to share what they've learned with others who need to know Jesus and um, help them to get into some kind of ministry. And we must do that as we walk alongside them um, to to enable them to do that. So I just believe in the, the cycle of evangelism and, and it illustrates how the importance, I guess, of sowing and reaping. Um, I just remember, Matt, you talking about one illustration when we were doing one of our afternoon uh, training programs at a local church. Uh, and you mentioned one time that, you know, if you if there were 100 people there, 100 church members, and you bought in a suitcase full of money, $1 million, and you said to each of those persons, I will give you $10,000 per person, if you bring someone to the evangelistic reaping event. I guarantee people would snap up your $10,000 and they would find a way, they would find a way to bring someone to that evangelistic reaping event. Um, and then the, the question obviously arises is, if people would be willing to do whatever it takes to get somebody to that evangelistic event for $10,000, why won't they do it for Jesus? Or maybe we should put it in another context and say, if they're willing to do it for $10,000, why aren't they willing to do it for the salvation of that person? And so uh, I just think that um, public evangelism does work when it is part of the cycle of evangelism. And I think when we are invested uh, in the salvation of others, uh, it makes our own Christianity uh, a lot more enjoyable and a lot more exciting and a lot more adventurous. Uh, I believe the greatest joy in the Christian life, one of the greatest joys in the Christian life, is helping somebody else to find Jesus. And so I think um, it, you know, we would want as many of our members as to, to engage in that and to experience that joy of seeing somebody else come to Christ. That's what we really want to see. Well, I think we'll wrap it up here, Matt. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about um, evangelism and uh, what does and doesn't work and some of the perceptions around that. Um, we hope that the uh, listeners enjoyed this and um, we look forward to uh, talking again sometime soon. God bless.